there are a few races that mean more to a city than the Boston Marathon means to Boston. I love the excitement, so um, I, I think it's I think it's great. I don't think it's too much hype. I think it's perfect. Uh, obviously, for the Lee Field, it's very stacked. Quite frankly, I mean, it's like one of the most historic races in America. So I'm happy to be back here. Happy to be back here in the spring, and really excited about the energy and just looking forward to Monday. Boston is, it's a little nerve-wracking. It's, it's a kind of a toss-up with the weather and the course and everything. So um, I'll be honest, I'm a little nervous for the hills. Uh, I must be, everybody told me the race was going to be pretty easy. So <laughs> I don't know what everybody's talking about. It's all downhill. Right. Um, when I say my age, I feel old. But when I'm out there running, I'm like, dude, let's go. I'm ready to fight everyone. I honestly don't think like, oh, they're young. They're going to beat me. Like, hell no. The young guys might beat me in a shorter race, but they ain't beating me in a long race. My 5K and marathon pace are the same. I got you. I, we'll just keep going longer until I win. <laughs> What's up, everyone? This is your host, Mario Fraioli, and we have a special episode for you this week. I am sharing the recording of the Racers Roundtable that I hosted last Friday at Tracksmith's Trackhouse in Boston. We had an awesome lineup of racers, and it was a super fun discussion. On the panel was Tommy Runs, Mick Iacfono, Erica Stanley Dotton, fan favorite of the Morning Shakeout podcast, Ken Rideout. Caroline Williams, Katie Kellner, and Colin Benny, who was the top American at last year's Boston Marathon. I'm not going to spoil it for you. I will let the discussion stand for itself. But before we get into it, a big thank you to the sponsors that are making this episode possible. First is Tracksmith. They hosted this conversation for me at their track house. Tracksmith crafts performance running apparel, inspiring publications, and distinct experiences like this racer's roundtable that allow runners to indulge in the sports-rich culture. When you shop at tracksmith.com and use the code Mario. 22 when you check out you'll get free shipping on your order and five percent of your purchase will go to the tracksmith foundation which is a nonprofit that aims to give more people the opportunity to participate in track and field that's tracksmith.com use the code mario 22 you'll get free shipping on your order and five percent of your purchase will go to the tracksmith foundation this episode is also brought to you by gooder gooder are my favorite sunglasses they are just the best they are light they look good and they're polarized to protect your eyes. Best of all, they're super affordable with most pairs coming in at just 25 to 35 bucks a piece. I wear them to run. I wear them to walk the dog. I wear them when I'm driving the car. My favorite colors are a ginger soul and Mick and Keith's Midnight Ramble. If you want to support the podcast and treat yourself to a pair or two or maybe three of gooders, head over to gooder.com slash Mario. That's G-O-O-D-R.com slash Mario. Or use the code Mario15, that's Mario15, when you check out and you'll save 15% off of your order. Look good, run gooder. Okay, let's get right in to the pre-Boston Marathon Racers Roundtable. All right, welcome to the Track House. I am Mario Fraioli, host of the Morning Shakeout podcast. 
We are here with the return of the Racers Roundtable. Last did this in 2017. So five years later, we are resurrecting it. Um, we've got an awesome lineup here. Um, sitting next to me on my right is Colin Benny. He's a top American returner from last year's Boston Marathon. Next to him, um, we, have, um, we have Katie Kellner. Um, she is a teammate of Caroline Williams, who is next to her, and you two run for the green, is it the green? Racing Project. Green Racing Project, which is based out of northern Vermont, but both of you are based here in the city. We'll have to learn more about that here in a little bit. Um, next to Caroline is Tommy Runs. Tommy is going to be running his first Boston Marathon on Monday. Next to him is Ken Rideout, native of Somerville, Massachusetts. Um, he was the ma top Masters finisher at last year's New York City Marathon. I don't know how many Boston Marathons he's run, but a few at this point. Um, next to him is Still Erica looking for a win. <laughs> next to him is Erica Stanley Dotton. She runs for Black Roses NYC, also in the Masters category. And next to her is um, Mick. I'm just going to have you pronounce your last name for Isofano. me. Yeah, Mick Isofano. Um, I couldn't say it earlier. I still can't say it now. Um, Mick works for Tracksmith. He's a 213 marathoner. And this is your first Boston Marathon, I believe? Yes, first. And then 209.50 uh, marathoner. <laughs> I thought you had run 213, but no, 209.50. I got to get up on my stats here. Um, wow, we've got some firepower here on this, on this lineup. Um, but let's just start with with the weekend. Um, some of you have run many Boston marathons. Some of you, you are running your first on Monday. And I guess we'll just start with Mick. What does it mean to be lining up for this race on Monday? Yeah, no, um, it's, it feels really special. Um, I mean, the field is uh, obviously for the elite field, it's very stacked. Um, and quite frankly, I mean, it's like one of the most historic races in America. So, um, I distinctly remember watching my dad do this race, and so um, to come here and be a part of the elite field, uh, it's, it's special. So I'm, I'm really excited. We'll just go right down the line. I'll toss it to Erica next. How many Bostons have you run? This Number is going to be my second. Okay. Um, my first was 2019, the last time it was held in the spring. <clears throat> it was a complete disaster, and we're here to redeem ourselves this year, and um, I'm really excited. Um, I think I'm well, much better trained, and you know, I think given everything that's happening in the world, I'm happy to be back here, happy to be back here in the spring, and really excited about the energy, and just looking forward to Monday. I uh, first ran this race maybe in 2007 or 8. I ran 3.30 and decided that uh, this was important to me, and I started training. And I ran 2.35 here in 19. But since I've run 2.28, and I'm here to beat as many pros as I can and win the Masters field like I did in New York at 50 years old, I want to beat everyone over 40. So if you're over 40, I'm coming for that ass. <laughs> Mine's less awesome. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, thanks a lot. Can we switch seats? Um, so I, um, this means a lot to me to be running here. It's my first Boston Marathon. Um, I'm new to running, so this is just incredible. And uh, I decided in 2019 that I wanted to try to qualify for this race. And my bib number is 2019. So that's amazing in itself, but I'm really looking forward to it. Can't wait to uh, toe the line and just enjoy the ride. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to race. This is going to be my first Boston Marathon, my second marathon overall. 
um, I'm going for the Olympic trials time for the women. I had a narrow miss in 2016, another narrow miss for 2020. The standard is now eight minutes faster, so I'm, I'm going for it, and uh, yeah, hopefully I can get it. So hopefully it's a super special first Boston, first trials qualifier. So this will also be my first Boston Marathon. Um, I, this was going to be my first marathon back in 2015, and I got a stress fracture on April 1st, which you can imagine is pretty close to race day, so I was really bummed about that. Um, I moved to Boston the next year, and seeing this race go off every year, just like I got to get out there. So I'm really excited to um, finally be a part of it, and like Caroline, also going to go after that Olympic trial standard. So. Um, I ran Boston last fall, and it was incredible, but I have been told that Boston on Patriots Day is really the only way to experience it, and watching it all growing up, being from uh, just outside Worcester, has um, reminded me that this is exactly what I've been wanting to do for a while now, so actually getting to experience it is going to be a, a heck of a good time, I think. For you and Ken, who are from Massachusetts, I'll throw it to Ken first, and then Colin, you can try to top him after his outrageous answer. Which nah, I'm, not going to happen. I coach Ken, so I can give him a hard time. But what does it mean for the two of you as, as natives of this place? And even Tommy, you spent many years in Newburyport, too, so I'm going to throw this to you as well. To, to be from this area, you know, whether you were into running or not, but you kind of grow up with this race. I mean, I grew up in Worcester as well, and before I had any interest in running, I mean, one, we had the day off from school, so it was awesome, but it was on every TV channel like four five seven ten and, and you're watching this race i still remember names like cosmos and Deddy and moses tanui and Catherine nedreba and you know bill Rogers, Linden. Course, all of this I, that was way past my my childhood but like what does it mean for those of you with some roots in this area to have been around this race even maybe before you were a runner to now be taking part in it for the first time or for second and fifth sixth time I think most people view the Boston Marathon as almost like the Olympics of the marathon, right? It's bigger than the Olympic Games, I think, for marathoners. If you win Boston, I think that that's the um, pinnacle of marathoning. Not that I'm going to win, but until someone beats me, I like to think at the start line I have a chance. Um, but just to be from Boston and come back and represent the side of Boston that isn't highlighted during the marathon broadcast means something. And... Um, you know, when you tell people you're running marathons, they ask you about the Boston Marathon, and I haven't had a really good race here, and uh, I plan on having one Monday, so I'm ready. Again, not as awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I lived here for in the Newburyport area for like six or seven years, and I was not a runner at the time, but I um, I was here uh, in the area uh, when the when the bombings happened that year, and not even being a runner, I obviously felt for the, the people in the city and how the city rallied around and came back. I saw how truly important the Boston Marathon was to Boston, you know, Massachusetts, and in New England as a whole. So. As a runner, I was like, yo, that would be dope if I could come back and actually run and, be a, and partake in it and just have fun with that Sufferfest. So that's what I'm here to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think guys kind of all, or pretty much said it all at this point, but there are a few races I feel that mean more to a city than the Boston Marathon means to Boston. And as you said, it's on every TV. You can't escape it if you're growing up here. And having the chance to to be part of it last year was absolutely life-changing and you know having done some marathons before nothing really can compete with the 
atmosphere here and having the chance to do it again is just super exciting. Caroline and Katie, you both train here and have been putting in your miles the past few months on the course, I mean, soaking up the energy in the area. Like, what has that been like just over the past few months, knowing you're aiming for this day on Monday, but to be a part of this community where it is such a big deal and people ask you, like, are you running the marathon uh, in April? Yeah, it's been really fun. We've been out on the course um, quite a bit, and every weekend, I mean, Saturday and Sunday, there are just tons of people out there training, too, and you really feel like part of a community. Um, And, you know, there's people out there handing out Gatorades and water and goos, and it's really neat how to how the city comes together and you meet all the other runners and see everyone else out there working hard. Yeah, I mean, running running the course on, on the weekends is something super special. And um, my boyfriend in the back is the unsung hero here who has driven Katie and I and one of our other training partners out to Ashland uh, to run back to Katie's house where we've done a bunch of 20-milers. So... Um, Thank you, Eddie. Um, But yeah, I I moved to Boston two and a half years ago. I I always knew I wanted to do Boston, but after living here and experiencing, you know, just the buildup with Katie together and and running the course, we have so many memories of stopping at that Dunkin' Donuts to go to the bathroom and (laughs) figuring out, you know, like who we're going to see on the course at what part. So there's there's even so many memories from the past like eight weeks of training on it um, as a relatively new person to the New England area coming from New York. Um, I always thought New York was the best marathon in the world, and I'm, I'm excited to hope, hopefully prove <laughs> might, myself it, it wrong. Might be the best marathon in the world. <laughs> um, I'm going to throw this to the returners, and I want to start with Erica. You mentioned how you ran in 2019, didn't quite go to plan. Like, talk about just just that experience and what you learned from it, and specifically like what you've been thinking about in the build up to this one that you plan to do differently. And then anyone else who's returned, Ken, Colin. I mean, it went pretty well for you first time out last year, but yeah, I'd love to just get that perspective from all of you who've run this race a couple times. Yeah, I mean, not to make any excuses or anything, but um, I think no, 2019 was obviously I was coming off of an injury, but I think I wasn't. I didn't know, you know, it was my fifth marathon at the time. Um, I had to run New York a few times, New Jersey, you know, this is my first time being up here and like everybody's talking about the hills and Heartbreak Hill and this and that. And I just kind of was feeling my way through it. So I probably should give myself a break. But I think right after the race, I mean, and that day, I mean, just like with every other year, except this year, it's going to be perfect. um, You know, there was like every element during the race. So it was rain, it was sun, it was, you know. And so when I finished though, I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, oh, so this race is really, you got to train for miles 16 to 22, right? In my mind, I, I, I immediately thought that because I remember going out, you know, probably too fast, you know, feeling myself and, oh, and I slammed into the hills and I was like, oh, yeah. So afterwards, so then this training cycle is not just about that. I mean, learning how to run down hills, um, you know, well as well. That was something else we, we worked on. But really a lot of hill training, a lot of, of being in the parks and like just every day regular runs training runs everything and i feel like that's what's really prepared me this time around and i think you know it'll, it'll do me well serve me well ken what was the question <laughs> um for those who have run boston before you mentioned how it hasn't 
gone well for you. Oh yeah, yeah. Dude, dude, I've had so many races haven't gone well. That's part of that's part of like being a good marathoner. Not everyone's like calling and just shows up and is a natural. <laughs> <laughs> but having those um, bad races are what lights a fire under your ass to be doing those hard workouts when no one's looking. Like the races, this is now just uh, like a, a beauty contest on Monday. All the work's done. The the hard work is like the lessons learned are what you or what gets you up and doing a track workout in the rain, running in the snow. I mean, eight weeks ago, I had a major shoulder surgery, labrum, rotator cuff, because I fell running in the snow training, and I was like, all right, this has to get fixed. But, you know, those those crap races that you have are what keeps you coming back for more, and um, yeah, I've never really run well here. L like she said, there's those hills, but that's it's hard by design. That's why this race is so special, and, um, you know, normally I have pretty humble, self-deprecating answers if you've listened to my interviews with uh, on the morning shakeout. But this close to the race, I start to get into like a different mindset where I'm like, <laughs> I ain't nothing nice. I'm not, I'm not trying to be humble, nice. I'm like ready to kill. I'm ready, you know? I'm just like, I'm, I'm ready. I've done a ton of training and now I'm just like, I've got a ton of energy. I haven't been running as much as I have been. So I'm just, I'm ready. Colin, it went well for you last year but actually racing the course for the first time and being in that what surprised you about the race that's given you new perspective heading into it this year um it's hard <laughs> it's a, it is a hard course there's no doubt about that and I, I i was fortunate enough i came up for a training trip last fall before the race and i think getting to see the hills was um was really important to me to really know what i was getting into um and knowing exactly what it's going to feel like and no, mostly knowing where you can take advantage of feeling good this year, I think, is going to help me a lot. Um, but if I, pretty much the, the biggest thing I learned last year was I felt horrible for the first half of that race. And it's a good thing. I guess it's a good and a bad thing about a marathon. It lasts a long time. So you're going to you got a lot of time to potentially come back around and, uh, and feel better as long as you're being smart out there. For the first timers, I'm going to start with Mick on this one. What, if anything, that you've heard about the Boston Marathon has kept you up at night the last couple of months or has had you reaching out to people, like, you know, asking those panicked questions, if anything at all? Um, I guess it's not, not as much a panic. It's just excitement, um, really. Um, I mean, obviously, you always hear about the, the downhills and how much the downhills really just zap the legs dry. And, I mean, I feel like... So I live out in Boise, Idaho, and it's very hilly, and we've been very specific to get in a lot of, like, hilly long runs and just really just work the elevation gain and decline and everything. So, I mean, all things considered, I feel prepared. Um, I think that's keeping me up at night is just the excitement around the race. Um, you know, like everyone said, it's such an important race to Boston, and I'm, this is probably going to be one of the loudest races that I've ever been in, so I'm I'm just really excited at this point. Tommy, um, yeah. So uh, I must be. Everybody told me the race was going to be pretty easy, so <laughs> I don't know what everybody's talking about. It's all downhill, right? Um, isn't that a saying or something like that? Uh, but yeah, I think um, uh, this is going to be my third marathon, so um, I kind of took it. I took it very serious from from the beginning to make sure that. I'd be as prepared as possible to at least have my first experience be a, a good one. Um, so and I'm in from from the Detroit area, so the hills aren't really a th 
there, there's not a lot of hills in the city of Detroit, but around in the in the outskirts, there's more hills, so we find as many as possible, um, and just up the mileage, up the up the hill training, up the work, and um, I'm just going to try to focus on being smart and patient and figure out what that leads to. Um, yeah, I. I've kind of heard mixed reviews of Boston where I I feel like some people say if you run it the wrong way, it's the like hardest course you've ever run. But if you run it the right way, it can be super fast. Yeah. So I feel like there's this secret of running it fast and really trying to figure it out. Running the hills, like Katie and I have done, have really helped just repetition, running over and over those hills so you know exactly what it feels like um, to be out there on, on those specific hills that you're going to be doing the race on. So, so that's been really helpful just from a, you know, like on understanding what's out there um but yeah my two marathons have been uh, grandma's marathon in duluth minnesota and berlin both strategically flat fast good weather so i could shoot for a trials time um boston is it's a little nerve-wracking it's not a it, right it's it's a kind of a toss-up with the weather and the course and everything so um i'll be honest i'm a little nervous for the hills but uh i think we've done some really good prep so Hopefully I have the secret sauce. Yeah, I feel really fortunate um, going into Boston, even though this is my first Boston, I live really close to the Newton Hills. So I've been running them multiple times a week. I really know them by heart now. So I feel really grateful for that. Um, I also used to, I trained this first Boston that I trained for that I got the stress fracture. I got to train alongside um, Des Linden. We were teammates at the time. Alongside her, she was ahead of me. But I gained, she she's, has a lot of really valuable knowledge. Um, she knows Boston really well. So I've gotten to speak to her a little bit and echoed some of the same things that everyone here said about going out a little bit conservatively, making sure that even though it's downhill, you're not pushing too hard or taking advantage, so you have an extra gear for those new inhales. We'll start with Colin for this next one, and we'll go down the line, but how does the mentality differ going into, let's just say Boston specifically, versus other marathons, versus like the grandmas in Berlin's where you're like, all right, I'm gonna get on the six minute pace train or whatever it is, and I'm just gonna ride it as long as I can. I mean hard to do that here. Um, it may or may not be wise to do that here. I mean, when you were at Marathon Project, where you're in your PR in Arizona, I mean, you guys were on like a sub 210 train for that. Um, and that was really, you know, the goal. And obviously, like toward the end, you're going to race and try and place like as high as you can. But here, there are no pacers. Um, you may be trying to get a trials qualifying time or, or whatever it is, um, or win your, you know, win your age group, win your division. But how does the mentality differ going into or Boston versus other marathons? Um, it's hard. And I think kind of as Ken said earlier, it's, it's just important to kind of remind yourself that you did everything you need to do to be prepared on the day, and you know and have a good idea sort of what range you're shooting for and capable of. Um, and it is tough sometimes to not get sucked into people who are racing not very smart around you. Um, but I think that's the good thing is, you know, a lot of us have spent a lot of time out on the roads getting tuned in to what is going to feel right for us on race day and I think you just kind of have to trust yourself and trust your body to, to tell you that you are doing the right thing and know that you're going to be feeling as good as you can with six miles to go. Okay. Sorry, what was the question there? How's the mentality different going into Boston versus other marathons? Oh yeah, um, 
It will be interesting. Um, I've raced three marathons prior to this, and two out of those three were Olympic trials races, which are very, very different, um, very strong fields, go out very fast. Um, the other one was uh, CIM, which again, very fast course. Um, that one I was going after an Olympic trials qualifier, similar to what I will be on Monday. Um, at something like CIM, I feel like the goal was to just run very, very evenly, while something like Boston, I feel like it's more advantageous to go out a little bit slower, to have another gear for the Newton Hills, and then try to really crush the last 10K headed into the city. So it will be a little bit of a different strategy than some of the other races that I've run. Yeah, I echo what Katie said. Um, I... I also am going to add something different in there because with Boston and with uh, sorry grandmas and uh, Berlin, I was in the like elite field or professional field, so I had a lot of support there. Boston, I'm not in it. Katie is, and so we've been training together, but we can't race together, which is super sad. So I'm looking for men who are running 5:58 to six-minute pace. If you are in that range, please raise your hand, and I would love to run with you. I can find um, you a few. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I just think that the the different type of race environment that I'm going into, where I'm used to kind of the special start area, the support, like the the really great support that marathons give elite athletes, is something that I won't have this starting line. So. Um, just that'll be a different way that I, um, I have to kind of think about my race plan in addition to everything that, that Katie and Colin said. Um, yeah, I think the, the, different, the difference for me is in the training, really. Um, I mean, because being new to marathoning and running just in general, like I have to, I have to always think, remember to be patient, not get out too fast, all that stuff. And you know the hard part comes at you know, mile 20 or whatever. Um, and I think this time it was more on the training side to get more prepared for what this the end of this race looks like. Um, so I'm just, you know, I will hopefully not ever be so happy to see you on that, that 55 to 6 minute pace. I'll be out of place at that point. Um, but I just try to keep it easy and just roll into um, the tough parts. I like to think of all the races just like you, preparing for a race just like you would for a fight. And uh, with that being said, I take them all just as seriously. So I haven't done anything in particular different for Boston. I know it's going to be hard and uh, it's going to be a lot of pressure, only pressure on myself, but the pressure is a privilege. If you weren't running competitive times, no one would care, nor would you care. So to me, every, they're all the same. You prepare and respect all the opponents, all the race courses, and you get out there and do the damn thing. And um, so nothing different in terms of preparation, um, just ready. Well, my coach, Knox Robinson, who's not here um, from Black Roses, he doesn't, we're trained to not think of race courses when we're training. We're more training to be as fit as we can be, as prepared as we can be. That said, we do do hillier runs. We have a run called the Simulator, the Boston Simulator, which is in Beacon, upstate New York, that he routed out many years ago. And it simulates like the downhill, you know, slamming into big hills. And those hills are actually probably worse than what we have here. But, you know, we were doing that this summer. You know, I ran London in October and, you know, we were still on those hills in the summertime because really that was just part of our training. And so his mentality, which also kind of just like seeps into everything, how we, how we think about it is that you're going into a race to run as fast as you can you know and you're going to have a strategy obviously and it's going to be a different strategy for every race but you're going into run as fast as you can yes there's hills yes there may be more hills but we're also 
based in New York, so New York Marathon is hilly as well. But, you know, you're going in to run as fast as you can, and, and that's it. And so I think that part kind of actually is a little bit more comforting for me because I'm not thinking of every race as like, oh, you know, your time is your time. You're trying to run fast. That's it. Yeah, so I think I'm pretty fortunate in the fact that, like, I approach most of my marathons at more as a race and less about time. Um, I typically don't worry about pace. I maybe check my watch at half marathon, if that. Um, but for me, I'm just out there racing the guys around me. And so I think particularly with this race, though, and given the challenging course, it's really just keying off of the experienced runners there in the front of the field and going off of the people who have been here before and have seen success here and just keying off of them and racing. My next question is specific to Ken and Erica as Masters runners, and, and I'm selfishly interested in this because I will be a Masters runner a month from now, but what keeps you going as you age and you know get into different age groups and maybe you start seeing things slowing down and how you kind of you know deal deal with that as you get old doesn't mean you have to slow down but like you know, how do you how do you just deal with like and i don't mean that in a negative way but just like getting older um and keeping that competitive fire strong and wanting to put the work in for something like this like maybe not year in and year out but when you decide it's something that you want to do well first of all i'm I was a track athlete from a kid, and I was actually a sprinter. How I got into marathoning, not quite sure, but um, so I'm just naturally <laughs> quite a competitive person. Um, I think, you know, for me, there's a couple things. You know, I'm a mom, I've got two boys, eight and 11, family life, work, you know, running is my thing, right? That's my thing, is my escape when I need to be an escape. It's also the one thing that I can actually be intense about for myself, you know? And it's like, it's training, for marathon training is crazy. It takes up a lot of time, you know? There's guilt for being away, but like, I'm fortunate enough to have support from everybody around me, but it's like my one thing that I have for me. And, and I think in terms of aging, like, I've gotten faster as I've gotten older, you know? And I, you know, that's, obviously I came into marathoning in my 30s, um, but since I've, after having children and coming back in my 40s, I've actually gotten faster, somehow stronger. Um, I'm still out here trying to beat 25 and 30 year olds, so I don't know. I mean, for me, it is what it is. And I train with a bunch of 30 year olds too, but I should say that. Yeah, I would echo all those same things. I have four young kids, 11, 10, 8, and 6. And, um, but I tell people all the time that if you don't prioritize your own mental and physical health, because it's as much about my mental health as it is physical, then um, I would be doing a disservice to everyone in my life. So for me, the running takes priority over everything. Not competitive running, but my, I run every single day on average 10 miles a day. Last year I ran 3,650 miles, something like that. But I don't, um, and people think I'm crazy when I say it takes precedence over my kids, my wife, everything, because without my mental and physical health, I'm useless to anyone and I'm, and I'm shit at everything. And um, with regards to getting better, I've run a faster time in a half marathon or marathon every year for 15 years. I don't see any reason why I would slow down. I feel stronger than I've ever been. I follow like super strict dietary protocols and I listen to a friend of mine, Andrew Huberman, from the uh, neuroscientist at Stanford, uh, at Stanford and has a podcast called the, Stan uh, the Huberman Podcast. He has like very 
um, specific supplement protocols for aging, and I'm also good friends with David Sinclair, who wrote the book Lifespan. He's a genetics professor at Harvard Medical School, an anti-aging and longevity guru, probably win a, a Nobel Prize at some point. And they've given me advice on different supplements, shit, stuff that's readily available to anyone. But um, yeah, I, I, when I say my age, I feel, oh my God, I'm 50 years, almost 51 years old. It sounds insane, because I still feel like a kid, even when I'm with my little kids, I'm like, I feel like I'm the biggest kid in the house. I, I genuinely believe that, and I don't, like I said, when I say my age, I feel old, but when I'm out there running, I'm like, dude, let's go. I'm ready to fight everyone. I, like, I don't, I, I, I honestly don't think, like, oh, they're young, they're going to beat me. Like, hell no. The young guys might beat me in a shorter race, but they ain't beating me in a long race. My 5K and marathon pace are the same. I got you. I, we'll just keep going longer until I win. <laughs> Tommy, we'll start the next question with you. Um, Thanks, Ken Ride out, everyone. Um, at different points of this conversation, each of you have mentioned just the excitement of, of Boston. I mean, we're in the middle of it right here, right now, and that excitement takes different forms. I mean, for those of you who you know, live and train in the city, you're experiencing it every weekend. Colin, you're from this area. You've got a lot of family and friends who are still here. You know, you're running the you're running the hometown race. Like it means a lot to you. Same with Ken. I mean, you know, even in New York, Erica. I mean, there's a big group of people always running, running Boston. I mean, Mick, you're going to be up there as well. I mean, you mentioned you know earlier just like how like just dealing with it. Um, how do you all deal with like the hype and the excitement this weekend when it is all around you? Because I think it can be a double-edged sword. You want to feed off of it and use it to your advantage. But, you know, at the same time, I mean, here we are a few days out from the race still. Like, when do you start to dial it down? When do you start to, you know, dial it back? How do you all do that in your own way so that you can be ready to go when you step on the line Monday? Yeah, we'll start with Tommy. I don't know. <laughs> figure it no, out um, as you go yeah um I, I really like what you said earlier ken like you know it throughout training you're you're not necessarily humble but you're just kind of like working on the process you're just going out there getting it done day in day out and just trying to maintain your level not be up too high if you have a good workout or too low if you have a bad one and then as you get closer to the race uh people are asking if you're ready six weeks ago and you're like no <laughs> hopefully not you know um but then as you get closer you start to kind of dial in and really start feeling like you're kind of feeling yourself a little bit and making sure you're ready to go um but the excitement i'm just i plan on using it just to um you know, to kind of have fun living it a little bit, but then also kind of propel, like, I, I, I plan to try to tap out away from the crowd until I need it, like, later on in the race. Um, so I think I'll just kind of dial it back a little bit, maybe on Sunday, because I don't want to be too nervous about it now. I want to start thinking about it, like, Sunday night, maybe. Um, because, like, you know, if you're worried, <laughs> you're nervous now. It's, I feel like you got a few more days going. It's going to be tough. But I'll, I'll, uh, I'll try to tap in a little bit. You know, it's more serious on Sunday. Let's just go this way with it. Uh, yeah, so I, I love the excitement. So um, I, I think it's I think it's great. I don't think it's too much hype. I think it's perfect. Um, I also have a you know I, I work a full time job. I work for a, a biotech venture capital fund, and so I'm working ten to twelve hours a week every day this week. So I actually haven't thought about the marathon like actual you know racing and preparing for for days or, or weeks almost. It's only on my long runs or my workouts that I'm actually presently thinking about it. So today having the day off work and then Saturday and Sunday are such an amazing gift to be able to fully soak it all in and really get excited about the race and kind of be like, okay, this is my, my weekend for me. All the work is done and, you know, kind of just, just relish in it. So I, I love the hype. I don't want to, I don't want to hype it down. I want to hype it up. 
I have to agree with Caroline. Um, I run really well with hype, um, even during the race. Like, I'm that runner who's probably like supposed to be serious, but is like waving and smiling at the crowd. It just brings me a lot of energy. Um, I personally work as a marathon coach, so I have 12 athletes who are also racing Boston this weekend, and I'm meeting with a few of them this weekend and seeing their excitement and all the hard work they put in like only fuels me more. So yeah, I really like all the excitement and the hype around it. Um, echoing one thing I remember Ken said earlier is obviously being in the elite field have the the privilege to compete but there is also pressure to perform um which for me anyway i know getting closer to race day you do start to kind of realize all right it, I put a lot of work into this i this better go well um but uh it is on top of that i realize usually right around this time where you get to celebrate and there's so many people just having a great time here that if I don't enjoy it, it's not really worth it. And um, it just takes a little time to sometimes remind myself of that. And even on race day, sometimes it takes until a couple miles in to realize, oh, shoot, there's a heck of a lot of people out here cheering on the side and having a good time just watching me run. And I'm having a good time running. And this is what I spent you know, years and years sort of looking forward to and getting ready for. So, um, so yeah, I think it's just changing sort of the frame of how I, how I view the excitement and nerves or whatever. And uh, it's just important to have fun. Throw it down to Mick. Yeah, no, uh, that's a hard question. Um, it's, yeah, it's the, the, the excitement is like, it's a difficult balance for sure. Like, you know, particularly the marathon, you know, it's 26.2 miles. To, to hold all that excitement for 26.2 is, is pretty hard. Um, and especially if you're already excited and anxious the days leading into the, to the marathon. So, I don't know, for me, like, finding little distractions, like, I think a little bit of excitement before the race is obviously really good, um, but finding little distractions throughout the day, like going for walks and stuff like that to just kind of unplug, slow it down, and be like, just wait for the race. Um, because, yeah being this excited can get exhausting. <laughs> I think for me, it's, it's also taking time to just, you know, unwind, go for a walk, be by myself. But I think because once you cross the line, it, it all goes away, right? And so, you know, I think physically, yeah, staying off, trying to stay off my feet and not, you know, moving around too much. And But like, I think about Monday, I'm like, I'm ready to go now. You know, it's exciting and I'm ready to race. Um, and it feels like there's so many things that have to happen before we actually get there. So that's what I'm thinking about more so than, you know, the hype. And it's cool. It's exciting. But I'm more so like, ugh, I'm just ready, like antsy. And once, like I said, once you cross the line, it just kind of all melts away anyways. Yeah, like I said earlier, the, the pressure to perform is all a privilege. If you were like just out here surviving, no one would care. You wouldn't care. It's like just finish. All right, you can finish if even you have to walk. But I think when you have, when you start to get the nerves and excitement, like you realize, all right, I'm where I'm supposed to be. It's time to be calm in an uncalm environment, just like a fight. And control your mind this running i think is a lot more mental than physical like just going out and following orders and doing something physical is it is what it is it's black and white but the mental part is where it comes in where you're like oh do i have a choice to run in the rain for me there's no choice there's no negotiation i've never ever skipped a day because i didn't feel like running ever I've, I've not run if it was like torrential and like dangerous outside but i've never said i don't i really don't feel like this today it wouldn't even enter my decision-making process it's just like oh shit i have to run on the treadmill which i hate but um 
like I said, all of that stuff is a privilege. And, and with, with experience, you get used to being in this environment of like, all right, let me keep it as normal as possible. I know that the days when I've had long runs that worked, what did I do the day before? Did I drink more than two beers? What, you know, like, again, I don't have the traditional race prep per se. I try to keep everything in perspective because, um, like you said earlier, it's like part of it is this is supposed to be fun. Otherwise, it becomes a job. And if it does, like what, no one's, they're not paying me enough to do this. <laughs> and like everyone else, I have uh, multiple full-time jobs, <laughs> including hosting the Fight with Teddy Atlas uh, boxing and MMA podcast that is... Um, provided a lot of uh, the mental insight that I use in my own training and interviewing the best fighters in the world from boxing and uh, UFC. Last question to wrap this one up. We'll start with Mick and we'll just come down the line. What are you most looking forward to on Monday? Oh, geez. Um, You know, just like the race itself. You've been training for months now. poured hours and hours into this and just seeing the fruit of all that labor come to a head and just giving it all your every every all your effort into the race and just enjoying the process of building to this race and giving it your all and then obviously you know part of the process is celebrating and just enjoying it with everyone else it's it's quite a feat to just even finish a marathon so to do it at your hardest effort and as fast as you can is special I echo that 100%. I think I'm just looking forward to getting out there. Um, Seven of my teammates are also running and just, you know, a couple of us will be running together and to start and, you know, some other folks that train with us. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see all my friends and my family out there. Um, I think everybody's going to be somewhere around heartbreak probably. Um, But yeah, I just, it's a celebration. Like you said, I mean, I I remember right before the Philly Marathon, Des Linden was on the mic and, you know, right as we started and she said, you know, this is, this is your fitness this is a celebration of your fitness the work is done you're about to celebrate and it was like right before we started i'm like yes like that this is the celebration so i'm looking forward to just being out there and seeing what i could do honestly because every marathon for me is like a new one you know i try to keep everything extremely positive so when i think about the race monday the first thing i think about is like i can't wait for the award ceremony what's the winner's trophy looks like what is the age group winner's trophy looks like i'm i know some people are going to hate this answer but it's the truth i think i know what's coming i know when people like oh i fell apart the last three miles i'm like yeah no shit you did that's why a marathon is hard everyone does that's when you get it right you don't fall apart there no one falls apart from eight five to eight anyway so when i think about what am i looking forward to i'm looking forward to like getting up on the awards uh thing and being like hey in first place in master's division ken ride out whether or not that happens who knows but that's what i've convinced myself is going to happen and that's all i'm thinking about I've seen one of your post-race interviews. It gets going to get wild. <laughs> um, uh, I'm, looking f- most forward, I'm looking forward to... Uh, I've played this over my head over and over, right on, her- right on hair for left on Boylston. Um, and as I feel like, 
you know, it, people fight really hard to get to that point, and and I'm sure I will as well. So I'm looking forward to that moment, and um, and then more on the superficial level, I cannot wait to post on Instagram. <laughs> like, I think I have the caption already wrote out, all that stuff. But I mean, this really is the culmination to me of like a lot of growth and process in, in a process since I started running in 2018. So it's just such it's so big for me, and uh, I just wanted to mention really quick. Erica was at my qualifying race in uh, in April last year. Uh, so to be running the same course with you is just super dope. But um, it's just, I, I can't wait to cross the finish line. I will cry, for sure. Like, I got my bib today just, like, before I came over here, and I literally had to walk away because I felt like I was going to cry. So um, I'm just happy, and, it, and I can't wait to have it all come together and post that post on Instagram. Tommy runs. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm really excited to finally say that I have run Boston, because I'm sure you can imagine being a runner in Boston, <laughs> constantly being asked, have you ever run Boston? How many times have you run Boston? And not being able to answer that question affirmatively. No, you get asked, have you run the marathon? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, have you run the marathon? There's no so, other one. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you live in New York. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, just being able to say that and also to, to finally say after all this grueling training that Katie and I have gone through, Katie has been a super awesome sport getting up with me at 5.30 in the morning to do workouts before I have to be at the office. So finally getting for both of us to say, we've run Boston, we did it, we made it to the start line, we made it to the finish line. Whatever the outcome is, we, we've made it here and we've done it, is, uh, is, gonna be, is gonna be awesome, so. Yeah, similarly, I think I'm really looking forward to just seeing all my family and friends right after the race. I mean, that's the funnest part is to celebrate with the people you care about. And I look forward to celebrating with Caroline. I mean, we put in a lot of work the last couple of months. So, yeah, definitely. I mean, as fun as the race is itself, I think sort of celebrating all the people that helped get me there and supported me through it, celebrating with them afterwards is the most fun. Definitely echo the sharing with friends and family. It's being being from Massachusetts, it's a little bit easier for me than uh, than a lot of folks. But um, as well, just I mean, sharing with everybody in the race. Obviously, from just this group here, everyone's got their own story of how they're getting ready for the marathon and what they want to do and what it means to them. And there's thousands of people who are going to be on the course doing the same thing as us. And I think that's just a pretty remarkable thing to to be part of that. And you know, I can say 100% that my story will not be the most inspirational on Monday. You know, there will be thousands of people who have better stories than me, and that's pretty cool for me. Love it. I think that's a great place to wrap this one up. Colin, Katie, Caroline, Tommy, Ken, Erica, Mick, thank you so much for being a part of this panel. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who came and watched it. Um, and if you haven't already, check out the Morning Shakeout podcast and the fight with Teddy Atlas. And Tommy, you want to plug your YouTube show? Uh, PR project on Here YouTube. Check it all out. I'm signing autographs later. And anyone who's racing on Monday, best of luck to you. Thank you. All right, that's it for this special episode of the Morning Shakeout podcast. A big thank you to all of you for listening in. Also, thank you to Tracksmith and Gooder for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Tracksmith crafts performance running apparel, inspiring publications, and distinct experiences that allow runners to indulge in the sports-rich culture. When you shop at tracksmith.com and use the code MARIO22 at checkout, you'll get free shipping on your order, and 5% of your purchase will go to the Tracksmith Foundation, which is a nonprofit that aims to give more people the opportunity to participate in track and field. 
Gooder sunglasses are just the best. If you want to support the podcast and treat yourself to a pair or two or three of Gooders, head over to Gooder.com slash Mario or enter the code Mario15 at checkout for 15% off your order. Look good, run Gooder. Few more things before we wrap this one up. A thank you to John Summerford, my audio ninja for this show. He has produced every episode of The Morning Shakeout. He's the reason the show sounds as good as it does. Also, thank you to Chris Douglas for being my right hand man and handling sponsorship sales, and Jeff Stern for the social media assistance. If you want to support the podcast, the easiest way to do so is to go to the Apple Podcasts app or Spotify and leave a rating and review. It helps new listeners to discover the show, and it really means a lot to me. If you want to take your your support even further you can directly support the morning shakeout on patreon by going to the morningshakeout.com slash support and for as little as a buck a week you'll get access to the weekly rundown which is a separate podcast that i co-host with my friend billy yang there's a monthly coach's corner discussion in there and other fun perks that pop up from time to time Last thing, if you're not getting the Morning Shakeout newsletter, sign up for it now. You can get it at themorningshakeout.com slash subscribe. And in it, you'll get my weekly take on what's happening in the world of running, along with a collection of things that I've been thinking about reading and listening to lately. That's all I've got. I'm Mario Fraioli, and this has been another episode of the Morning Shakeout podcast. (laughs) 